Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. This last week, Tiz was on the phone with uh, a, a lady that is a financial planner. And to make this, to, to tell you exactly what it is, it's, it, it's the planning of our wills, we, you know, to make sure everything is in order. And so the lady says to Tiz, she said, now I have to ask you some tough questions, okay? If Larry goes first, then you get everything. And she said, yeah. And if you go first, Larry gets everything, right? Okay, then if you both go, your kids get everything. If the kids go, the grandkids get everything. And then she said these words. What if you're all gone? And Tiz said, now Tiz is on the phone. John, John is the one that helps us with all this stuff. And Tiz said, if we're all gone, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, sons, daughters, grandchildren, if we're all gone, and Tiz says, do you mean the rapture? And you know what the lady said? This is a financial planner. She said, this is something that is coming up many times a day, every day for the last several months. Isn't that wild? People are thinking about this. Amen. Now, where we're going to do, and I'm going I'm to rehearse all this just, to, just to, to let you know where we're going, but we're going to go from right in here all the way through here, and you know, n- next week, Scotty, if we could put the three and a half period in here, if we could redo this and put the three and a half, because we have Seven years, three and a half period to, to here. Next week, we're going to deal with the dragon, the Antichrist, and Armageddon. And show you the armies of the world. Russia, Gog, Magog, God, China, God putting a hook and bringing them down into Israel for the last great battle. And you'll understand, and I'm going to set you all up on this. But I want you to understand... Bible prophecy because how close we are. To be, I'm going to be real honest with you. I, I've been in the ministry 44 years, and Bible prophecy has never really interested me that much. I'm more, instead of worrying about what's going to happen in 20 years, I'm more worried about let's get the bills paid tomorrow. And so I, my ministry has been focused on getting people saved, getting people delivered, and, and seeing the blessing of God. But with everything that's happening, you know, I wrote the book, Seven Living Prophecies, because Lion and Tiz needed a miracle, and God spoke to me and said, you are in that time of miracles. That's why I wrote Seven Living Prophecies, that holy cow, seven prophecies, huge prophecies are alive right now in our life. And most Christians don't even know it. They, they're, they're totally blind. They have eyes, but they don't see. But then right after I finished this book, the pandemic started taking place. The, uh, the writings on, in the streets started taking place. The economic crisis started taking place. And I started realizing that God is shouting to us. That we as Christians and Jews, we need to wake up or we're going to, there's going to be a lot of people that confess that Jesus is the Lord and miss the rapture because they've grown lukewarm. So I want to take you, the name of this message is the last great revival. Now to lead us into that. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to go over a little bit of the bride of Christ. Now, we talked about this last week, and I brought up, and, and 
When you see what I'm going to teach today, you're going to go, this is why God is showing us. We're not the bride of Christ. Now, I know that when I was teaching this last week, I'm looking out at the congregation, and when I first said we're not the bride of Christ, everybody's going. And I've never seen, I've never seen so many Christians open their Bibles in, their, in my life. But then as I begin to teach it, I got hundreds of emails and I got hundreds of texts and saying, you're right. You're right. It's like saying the world's flat, the world's flat, the world's flat. And all of a sudden somebody comes in and proves the world's not flat. Just because we say it's flat doesn't mean it's flat. Okay. And so the reason why we need to understand that we're not the bride of Christ that Israel is the bride of Christ, directly links to the world's last great revival. Now, I want to show you this in Ephesians chapter 5, just to help you understand a little bit. There is nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, that the term bride of Christ is written. It's a term we use, but it's not in the Bible. Say amen. It's not in the Bible. It's a term that was brought up by the Catholic Church 1,500 years ago to justify celibacy. Well, we don't need to get married to a woman. We're the bride of Christ. The only place they really get that is Ephesians chapter 5. Read with me. Um, Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands... What's the next word? As to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. What's the next word? As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself. Now look at this next term, and I want you to remember this next phrase all the way to the end of my message today because it will change your life. That he might present to himself not a glorious bride, which I have said for 40-something years. He's coming for a glorious bride. He's coming for a glorious bride. He's coming for a glorious bride. It does not say he's coming for a glorious bride. It says he's coming for a glorious church. Now, remember that to the end of the message, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does for the church. And let me stop right there. After Sunday, I went home and I said, you know, I'm going to prepare. I started preparing that afternoon for today's message. And so I said, you know, let me, let me tell you something about me. It does not bother me one ounce to come tomorrow and say, hey, I taught this last week. I'm wrong. I found something. I'm wrong. I would rather be right than remain wrong. It doesn't bother me. Nobody knows everything. Are you okay? So it doesn't bother me. I look at some of the things I preached 30 years ago and I say, oh, Lord, I hope nobody's in hell because of me. So it doesn't bother me. I, I, don't, I, would, I love finding out when I'm wrong so I can be right. So I went home and I thought, you know, I'm going to do some more studying on the bride of Christ. And I came up with this article out of a Christian university. And the guy says, uh, you know, if you've been following our university, you know, professor so-and-so and I, and we agree on almost 85% of the things we, we teach. But one thing we have not agreed on in 30 years is who's the bride of Christ. Professor so-and-so says, Israel's the bride of Christ. I, have, I say the church is the bride of Christ. He said, I'm writing this article because I want to let you know I'm wrong. 
And he goes on to all the scriptures that we gave of Israel being the bride of Christ and the bride of Christ is not in the Bible. But then he said, look at Ephesians 5, because Ephesians 5 is where we get where the bride of Christ Husbands and wives are, are bridegroom and bride, and Christ is the bride of the church. But it doesn't say that. And he brings up something excellent. He said there's a difference between a metaphor and a simile. A metaphor says war is hell. Uh, that's the one they give, and I don't know if that's a good one to give in church, but war is hell. Hell's bad, war's bad. But a simile is not replacing one thing with another. It's um, similarity. It's a similarity. Life is like a box of chocolates. When you see a metaphor, it says it is this. When you see a simile, you look for the word as or like. So when Paul is saying that Jesus and the marriage between men and women, he's not saying it's a metaphor. He said it's a simile. It's like this. It's like you take care of your wife the way Christ takes care of you. He's not saying that we're married to Jesus and Jesus is married to us like a husband and wife. It's not a metaphor. It's an assimile. Are you okay? All right. So the reason that's important leads us up into where we're going. Now go with me, keep your, keep your, uh, go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 19. I'm giving you, I, I know it's not popular to study in church anymore, but I think it's still important to read your Bible. Revelations 19. Do you have it? Say amen. Look at verse seven. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Revelations takes place after what? Somebody just said it. After the rapture. So if the marriage supper of the lamb is Take, getting ready to take place, and the bride is making herself ready, the bride cannot be the church because we're already raptured. Say amen. Does that make sense? We can't be the bride. We're already raptured. There, the, how many of you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? There's no getting ready now. You're already ready. Man's tradition, man's tradition, man's tradition. Are you all okay? Now, in reality, does it make any difference whether you think you're the bride or you think you're the ten virgins or you think you're the bridegrooms or you think you're, you know, in reality, in reality... In reality, what does the Bible say about us? We're part of, we're, we're, we're the body of Christ. So when we walk into the wedding supper, in reality, I think they'll go, are you with the bride? Or are you with the groom? We who go to new beginnings go, we're with both. We know the bride, Israel, we're supporting them, but we're part of the groom too. So we get to sit wherever we want. Now, in reality, does it change anything for you to think you're the bride or you think you're the ten virgins or you think you're the part of the body of Christ? In reality, it doesn't change anything in that sense. But in understanding the rest of Bible prophecy and seeing where we are on God's timetable, it changes everything. Are you ready now? Are you ready? Go with me to Revelations chapter 7. And we're going to show you why it makes a difference, not in what's going to happen at the wedding supper. 
but why it makes a difference in you being prepared for the rapture. Do you have Revelation 7? Keep your finger there. Now, let me show you. Can, Can I have my timeline back on, please? We know that these are a shadow of things to come. Passover, Resurrection Sunday, shadow, real thing. Pentecost, Shavuot, 50 days later, shadow, now the real thing. The thing that hasn't happened yet is the thing that hasn't happened yet is Rosh Hashanah, the rapture, Yom Kippur, the second coming, and the Sabbath millennium. Now, we showed you on the calendar that if you took numbers exactly the way you think, everything says we're about six years away from the Sabbath millennium. We don't know that. We don't know if the bricks in the first temple they found are five years older than what they say or 10 years uh, younger than what they say. We don't know. But we do know that we're right in here. We're, 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 or, excuse me. We do know that from somewhere in here, we are maybe really close to somewhere in here. Okay, we do know that. There's, there's no doubt, okay? Now, the month of Elul, this is, why, this is why we did this. The month of Elul is the blowing of the shofar. It's wake up, pay attention. You're asleep. You're not about your father's business. You wake up. For 30 days, the blowing of the shofar will lead to Rosh Hashanah or the rapture. The reason I did this series is I believe... Absolutely. I believe without a a shadow of a doubt, I believe what we're seeing in the streets, what we're seeing, what we're seeing candidates for president and vice president saying, what we're seeing with the COVID virus, what we're seeing with the economy. I believe these are the birth pangs. I believe 100% these are the birth pangs leading to the rapture. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't know if it's going to happen next year. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows exactly when it's going to happen. When you get pregnant, you go to the doctor. The doctor says, well, your due date is uh, November 15th, which is my birthday. (laughs) November the 15th. They're they're giving you an approximate date. It might be a little early. It might be a little late. There might be other things that happen. You understand? They're giving you an approximate date. But when you start getting towards the time to birth that child, ladies, very seldom do you go, where'd that come from? (laughs) I didn't know. Am I right? Your water breaks, pains, contractions, all these things happen. That's what these birth pangs, that's what the blowing of the shofar is all about. That's what this is all about. Now, many people say that, and I'm going to end with this. I'm going to give you the answer at the end of this message. Many people say because of Joel, because of Matthew, Many people say that right before the rapture, there is going to be a great revival. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Now, something great is going to happen. And I'll end this with this. But the great revival that the Bible talks about, the great end time revival, does not happen right before the rapture, but it happens the day after the rapture. This is why it's so important that we understand Israel's place in prophecy. Now, let me show you something. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, we understand. How many ladies have ever had, how many ladies have ever had a baby? Raise your hand. You've had a baby. The, the birth pangs weren't good, right? It's like, you know, I, I remember Tiz going, oh, man, oh, I don't, uh. but the birth, it's like, I'll kill you. 
Don't ever come near me again. <laughs> right? The birth pangs are bad. What we're seeing in the streets, the COVID. Who would have ever thought we'd get here, guys? Look at everybody wearing masks and, you know, you, everywhere you go. And, and it, it, some states, they're still shut down. They're still shut down. But just think about after the rapture, this next seven years, what we're seeing with our friends sending us pictures from Portland and seeing them out in the streets, walking in and taking drinks and throwing them in the faces of old people because they, they uh, aren't supporting, uh, uh, a, what do they call it, a Tiva? Antiva? That's, that's a birth pang compared to what's going to be birth once we're gone. Because once this happens, all good is gone. Right now, even though we have governors and mayors and people in political positions that are encouraging this to happen, there is still the Holy Spirit on earth that's keeping it to a degree of check. Once that's gone, if you miss this, if you miss this, it is going to be hell on earth. That's why the birth pangs. Okay, you don't want to miss it. But I want to look at what happens two seconds after this. Number one, the moment the rapture takes place, the moment, boom, we're gone. Boom, we're gone. In the twinkling of an eye, we're gone. Can you imagine the chaos that will be on planet Earth? But understand, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the Antichrist, the dragon, they're already in, they're already in here somewhere. Government leaders, religious leaders, they're already making plans. Once we're gone, they're going to come up with an excuse why millions of people are gone. But watch out, I'm going to show you some amazing things. The thing you need to think about is, are you going to make the rapture? Then you need to think about if you make the rapture, the moment the rapture takes place, you and I stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be rewarded for what we've done or we haven't done. There are going to be a lot of Christians who call themselves Christians that will miss the rapture. And, and you know, I, and I say this so many times over the years, listen, if you can't live for him now, you're not going to die for him later. The chances are you'll take the mark, which is eternal judgment. But for those of us who make the rapture, you, you want to make sure you're rewarded. That's the whole reason in Judaism of the blowing of the shofar. A hundred blowings of the shofar saying, get ready for Rosh Hashanah because God is in a shadow of things to come going to reward you for the whole next year. So he's saying, make sure you're helping widows and orphans because our job is not just to sing kumbaya to God. Our job is to make the world a better place. Right? Okay, but so we know the moment the rapture takes place, the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is, is down here, and we're going to get into that in two weeks. But this is the judgment seat of Christ that... For you and I, once the rapture will be our, re, our chance of doing anything to, to be rewarded is gone forever. Just gone forever. But this is, that was, that was a shadow to the real thing. That was a shadow to the real thing. This is a shadow. Right now, God is telling us to be involved with what he's doing. That's why, that's why during COVID, we called Israel and said, what do you need? We're going to up what we're doing because we want to make sure that even though we're in this world, we're not going to be limited by this world. 
So as a ministry, we upped your giving to the nation of Israel. We've got the orphanages. We've got the 50,000 kids we feed every day, every month in Africa. But we upped it because we, we refused to back away and, and say, we're not going to do anything. No, we, 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 we got together and said, me and Scott and John and Tiz and Luke and, and, and Wanderson and Nancy, we got together and said, we, we're going to up what we're doing because we want to get seed in the ground to make sure that if this is the real thing, we're going to be blessed. But if it's a temporary thing, we don't know what's going to happen in Washington. But when we've done what we're supposed to do, we know what's going to happen on the throne of God. Are you with me? All right. Now watch this. Something else happens the moment the rapture takes place. Revelation chapter 7. I know I, I know I lay down a lot of foundation, but you, you've got to have the foundation. Revelation chapter 7, look at verse 1. And after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that, in the, that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or in any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. And he said... Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, look at me here. You have four angels who God has given the power to destroy the earth. Things are going bad. The Antichrist and the, the false prophet and, and, and the people of, on earth have gone crazy. So the four angels are getting ready to send the storm of God. And just as they're getting ready to send it, God sends for, you'll see later, God sends another angel and says, stop, stop. Don't destroy it yet. I'm going to give the world another chance. Now listen to me. When you hear, I'm going to give the world another chance, don't think, well, I'll just wait till this till I start serving God. Because this is going to be really, 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 really horrible. Beyond anything we can imagine, it's going to be horrible. But he stops and he says, don't destroy the earth until I put, until I have sealed, we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now look at me. Right in here. The Antichrist is going to seal those who aren't serving God with his name on their foreheads. But right before that, he's going to raise up 144,000 Jews. Now, many people, and I've heard it preached, and I even went, when I was studying this, many people say the 144,000 are Christians. That right after this happens... 144,000 Christians are going to rise up. Well, number one, most the Christians are gone. But look at the next verse. It says, and I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. And you can go on and on. How many tribes are in the nation of Israel? 12. 12,000 from each tribe. It blows my mind that even today you can read pastor's sermons and they'll say, no, those are 144,000 Christians. It says the children of Israel. It says from the tribe of Gad, from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Asher. Something happens right here, right after the rapture, that 144,000 fanatical Jews rise up and begin to preach the gospel. Now watch this. This really gets phenomenal. This can't be the church because the scripture says it's Jews. 
It can't be the church because the church the day before was raptured. This is the beginning, look at me, of the bride, Revelations 19, making herself ready. Now watch this. 12, I don't have time. 12 is a significant number in in Judaism, you understand. Go with me to Revelations 14. This is the beginning. Remember what we read in Revelations 19? The bride is making herself ready. Revelations 14, look at verse 1. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him... 144,000 having his father's name written on their forehead. So here, timeline please, here the rapture takes place, 144,000 radical Jews. And I don't know if I'll have time this morning to get into this. It says they're all virgins. Now why does it say they're all virgins? Because their their ministry is going to be short-lived and they don't have time with all that's going on they don't have time to worry about a family to worry about a wife to worry about children their goal is to let the world and they're not just in israel they go worldwide and and satan can't stop them they go worldwide preaching the gospel that we have, our eyes have been opened and we realize that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. How do they know that? Because the rapture took place. And it says we know. So all of a sudden, you have 144,000 radical Jews preaching the gospel throughout the world, and Satan cannot stop them. Now, I'm really running out of time. When you get a chance, look at Matthew chapter 24 and and read the whole thing, because this is Jesus talking about the last days. And when he's talking about the last days, can I take five extra minutes? All right, go with me to the book of Joel. Go with me to the book of Joel. That's in the Old Testament. I think it's like on page uh, 1341. Everybody knows that the book of Joel is the prophecy of the last moments of the last days, right? I'm going to take time to read it. Do you have it? Go to, the, go to uh, Malachi and go left. Go left back a little bit. Joel chapter 2. Look at verse 23. And I'm just going to read it quickly. Be glad then, you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat. The vats vats shall overflow with new wine. So I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts have eaten, the consuming locusts have eaten, the chewing locusts have eaten, the great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other people shall, uh, and my people shall never be put to shame. Now, look at this timeline, please. I believe what we just read is right in here. And I believe we're there. You look at Israel, you look at, did you see that President Trump made an announcement, Sudan is coming in agreements with Israel, and then he said there's four or five other Arab nations coming into, into peace agreement with Israel, and they said, well, who's going to be? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you right. He goes, well, Saudi Arabia's coming in. I told you a month ago Saudi Arabia would come in. I told you a month ago, two months ago, Saudi Arabia would come in. This is a time of great blessing of God for 
the church in Israel. All right, so, all right, man, I study too much. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servants, my maid servants, I'll pour my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Then shall the sun be, uh, sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. I'm going to explain this. There shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. All right, now let me show this real quick. So I believe what God is saying there is Joel chapter 2 begins right before the rapture, jumps over the rapture, and comes all the way to the great and terrible day of the Lord when the Lord returns. When we're talking about a great revival that takes place before the Lord returns, we're not talking about a great revival that takes place before the rapture. We're talking about the great revival that takes place before the Lord returns, the second coming. How does that great revival take place? When God is blessing Israel and God is giving peace to Israel and Jews and Gentiles, the church and Israel coming together. And we're seeing this, guys. We're seeing, we're seeing Israel. All of a sudden, their enemies are becoming their friends for a season. We're seeing that right now. That's what Joel is talking about. But then the rapture takes place and we jump over and leaders, wrong leaders in government around the world are setting this up right now for this great tribulation period. Now watch this. Here's, here's where it gets really, really, really exciting. How does this happen? How does this take place that... The rapture takes place. Israel, Israel, for the first time in 2,000, more than 2,000 years, their enemies are coming to peace with them. You understand how wild that is? It's prophecy. Remember, when Israel becomes a nation, one generation, 1948, Israel becomes a nation. We're in that generation. How does this happen that... Israel's at peace with their enemies. There's peace there. There's prosperity. There, the, 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 the vats are over. Everything's going. And that's what this is. It's not just peace with the Arab nations. It's called normalization. In other words, we're going to do business together. We're going to help you. You're going to help us. And can I give you a little prophecy? Watch for Iran. Watch for Iran. Watch for Iran. Because I really believe if everything goes the right way, Iran's even going to jump in on this. You, I, I told you Saudi Arabia would. Everybody said I was crazy. You watch. I, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but so how do we go? How do we go from this? Here's where it gets exciting. How do we go from this, man, everything's great, to the rapture? And then we go from the rapture to the beginning of seven years of hell. But at the beginning of that, all of a sudden, God raises up 144,000 fanatical Jews dedicated to nothing but the gospel. The answer is in the Bible. Look at this. Go with me to Revelations chapter 11. Say, man, I didn't know we have to read the Bible in church so much. <laughs> Revelation chapter 11. Do you have it? Yeah. Look at one, and I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about it. Look at one through 13. Then I was given a reed with a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court. Now, there's so much to the teacher, and I, I, I don't have time. But leave out the court, which is outside of the temple, don't measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, 
and they, the Gentiles, not the church, the Gentiles will tread the holy city, excuse me, underfoot for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Remember, timeline, please. Remember, that's, we'll put the three and a half years next time. Here it's going to be the Antichrist is going to come in. Oh, everything's good. He's going to make uh, the, the Christians weren't really raptured. Uh, aliens took them or whatever. And he's going to bring priests. But during this time, 144,000 fanatics are rising up and saying, that guy's a false prophet. That guy's the Antichrist. And they're going to rise up. And after three and a half years will be the abomination desolation. The Antichrist will all, all of a sudden, he'll be given Israel free reign to worship at the temple. But there's going to be 144,000 saying, don't believe him. Don't trust him. We know what's going to happen. We know what the prophet said. And at three and a half years, he's going to be, all of a sudden, he's going to kick over the altar and he's going to set himself up on the temple mound as to be worshiped by God. If you don't have the father's name on your forehead, then you're going to have to take the beast's name on your forehead. All right. So that's where we're at. Excuse me for going so fast. Three and a half years, verse three, and I will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. How long is 1,260 days? Three and a half years. So right here, the rapture takes place. Everything's going good. Boom. All of a sudden, we see the Antichrist, the false prophet. But right here, where did these 144,000 come from? The Bible tells us that there's two witnesses dressed in sackcloth preaching in the streets of Jerusalem. And they preach for three and a half years. All right, you, you, are you getting it or am I giving you too much? You want, want, want me to finish it? I give power to these two witnesses and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the, before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, now watch this. Remember Joel said there'll be fire and lightning. Fire proceeds from their mouths and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have the power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have the power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all the plagues as uh, often as they desire. Who else turned water? Who, who in the old days turned water into blood? Who saw the plagues? Moses. All right. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Now watch this. This gets bizarre. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now I'm going to explain this, but look at this. All of a sudden, Jerusalem, God compares it to Sodom and Egypt. Jerusalem. Then though, can I give you something? I won't, I don't have time to teach it. Look up, study Mark chapter two and study Hebrews chapter 11. There are going to be, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get, boy, if I thought, if I thought I shocked people when I said, we're not the bride of Christ, this is really going to shock people. Israel's the bride. He's preparing the bride, right? But if you read Revelations, if you read Hebrews, if you read Mark 2, Jesus is ministering. I don't even know if I should say this. Should I say it? Jesus is ministering to who? He's out there, remember, in the religious CM. Who's he ministering to? Yeah, yeah, but what kind of Jews? Prostitutes, tax collectors, thieves. And the, the religious look at him and said, if he was a man of God, he would know 
what manner of people these are. And Jesus turned knowing their thoughts and said, it's not the well that needs a physician, it's the sick. I'm going to shock you. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the unrighteous. So amongst the Jews, before Jesus ever died, there were those who were righteous. That's why Revelations, when we talk about the second resurrection, Revelation says they'll be judged for their works. Read Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Enoch. By faith, by faith, by faith, who were counted worthy. Before Jesus died, there were the Jews who were living according to the word of God. I believe that these, not everybody that's a Jew, not everybody that says they're a Christian really is a Christian. Not everybody that's a Jew really is living for God. But there are Jews who live exactly the way Jesus teaches to live. They just have not understand who Jesus is yet because of the way the church has treated them. But the Bible says they are righteous. I believe I might be wrong. I know we're recording this. I may be. It's possible I'm wrong. That along with us, how many think Moses is going to heaven? How many think Enoch's going to heaven and and Elijah's going to heaven? Of course they are. Duh. And so all of a sudden, Israel, just like everywhere else in the earth, the righteous are gone. In Israel, in Jerusalem, the righteous are gone. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem becomes like Sodom and, and Egypt. All right. I got to keep going. I really threw you on that one, didn't I? I had a good crowd until then. And their bodies will lie in the street. The great city, which spiritually, spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations, watch this. This really gets crazy. will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in the graves. Now, let let me, another side thought. This scripture was not possible 30 or 40 years ago. Impossible. The Antichrist kills the two witnesses. There's a question. It doesn't matter. There's a question. Who are the two witnesses? Some say Moses, Elijah and Moses. Some say Elijah and Enoch because Elijah was caught up. Enoch was caught up. But the Bible does say, and it doesn't matter, but the Bible says Enoch would not see death. These two are going to see death. Amen. Moses and Elijah were the same ones who appeared to the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. So all of a sudden, what you have is all of a sudden, Israel, the, the, the Israel in the world is sin is uncontrollable. And all of a sudden you have two prop. Can you imagine if in the streets of Jerusalem, you know, the, the, the unrighteous Americans, the unrighteous Italians, the unrighteous Israelites, they're celebrating that the Christians are gone. They're celebrating that the Antichrist is going to rule and reign. They're celebrating. And then all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses, the greatest lawgiver and the greatest prophet in the history of the world, stands up in the streets for three and a half years. Why sackcloth and ashes? They're prophesying judgment. And anybody that tries to touch them, fire comes out of their mouth. Oh, that'll never happen. Yeah, and Israel will never become a nation again either. And so after three and a half years of nobody can touch them, don't you think they're trying to kill them? For those three and a half years, I mean, if you know, can, can, can imagine if we we went down to uh, Vegas and stood on the corner and preaching, you know, or in the or we went into the casinos and preached, you can't be doing this. They're not going to go. Oh, that's wonderful that they're here. Get them a coke. No, they're going to throw you out. These guys are going to be attacked, but they can't touch them. But then, after three and a half years, they're killed. Their bodies lie on the street, and the Bible says the world is watching them lay in the streets. 
30, 40 years ago, that wouldn't have happened, but we got satellites now. And I can tell you, I can see CNN and MSNBC and them who are anti-church as it is and anti-Israel as it is. I can see them with their cameras going, ha ha, look at this, Elijah and Moses. But after three and a half days, the Bible says God breathes into them and live on television worldwide, they stand back up. Live worldwide. Guys, this is not, this is, this wasn't possible 30 or 40 years ago. But we got, we're live around the world right now. And as they stand up, can you imagine the world seeing this? And well, I don't need to read it. And then God says, Come up to me. Now, I believe. The Antichrist for three and a half years has lied about there's no rapture. How is that even possible? That then worldwide, Elijah and Moses come alive again. And all of a sudden, the voice of God is heard worldwide. Come up to me. And Elijah and Moses are raptured right before the eyes of the entire world. Somebody ought to shout amen. Absolutely amazing. Can I read you one more thing to show you where we're headed? I'm over my time, but I'm going to finish this. Verse 10. Look at this. So they're they're not allowed to be put in their graves. They're lying dead in the street for three and a half days. Look at verse 10. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another. They're rejoicing at the death of Moses and Elijah to the point that they're sending, it's like Christmas. They're sending gifts. Finally, we don't have to hear these guys anymore. And the one we're serving is the one who's really in charge. Verse 11. Now, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. And in the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. And in the earthquake... 7,000 men were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to God in heaven. Guys, this is the prophecy of Joel. Because after this three and a half years, the Antichrist realizes, I'm losing control. Moses and Elijah just got resurrected from the dead. That's bad enough, because I could say, well, they weren't really dead. They were knocked out for, they were in a coma for three and a half days. But then in front of their enemies, they're resurrected and then raptured into the arms of God. This is where the Antichrist then says, you know what? Now's the time to make the move. And at that three and a half years, he, he tears down the altars of the temple. He brings the abomination desolation. But remember, there's still 144,000 evangelists that he can't touch. That he can't touch. This is the preparation of the bride. We have the abomination desolation. And then we have Armageddon where God puts a hook in the jaw of Russia and he puts a hook in the jaw of China. Isn't it amazing that they're partners now? And the great last battle takes place. But the amazing thing is that at this battle, there are multitudes, multitudes of people worldwide because of those 144,000 
that have received Christ as their Savior. Even when it looks impossible, God always has a plan. And I'm glad we know the plan before it has to happen. Can I have an amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering and thank him this morning? You know, when I was showing this to Tiz, stand with me if you would. When I was showing this to Tiz, I said, I don't believe there's going to be a great revival. The great revival begins after the rapture. That's the multitudes that get saved. Right before the rapture, Jesus said, there's a great falling away. So I'm telling this to Tiz and her eyes get real big and she says, where does that leave us? And I said, look at Ephesians 5. Right before the rapture, he comes for a glorious church. In other words, in these last year, five years, ten years we have, get ready for God to pour out his spirit, not necessarily on the world, but on the church. A glorious bride, without spot, without wrinkle. What does that mean? No disease, no sickness, signs and wonders and miracles. And those who have eyes to see, they're going to see. But if you look at the world, you look at the world, they don't want you. I believe most of the world could see the miracle of God right before their eyes. But they choose to have eyes and not see. But for us, we're going out the head and not the tail. We're going out above and not beneath. We're going out the lender, not the borrower. And I believe all that we're seeing here is a wake-up call. And God's saying to the church, listen, get your family saved. Get your friends saved. Get as many as you can get saved. One-on-one. Be one of those, one of those witnesses before the 144,000. Tell people what's happening. Blow the shofar. When you're hearing the blowing of the shofar, pass it on. Let people know what's going on. Get them involved. I don't know that we're going to see America turn back to God. I hope we do. I hope we do. I think we may have four more years or not. Come November 3rd, we're going to know whether the churches will stay open or the churches will be closed. But whether we're meeting or we're not meeting, we're still the church. We're still the church. Amen? These are a wake-up call. I believe we've got some time. I know the wicked servant says the master lays down. I believe we've got some time. I believe America's going to see a revival. I, see the, I believe the world's going to see a revival. I believe, I believe uh, I'm believing the next four years is going to be the greatest outpouring of revival and salvation and signs and wonders and miracles. But someday the end will come. Someday it's going to happen. But no matter what happens in the world, if you're serving God, when the rapture takes place, We're going out. We are going. We're not going out hiding. We're not going out beaten up. We're not going out being being quieted. We're going out shouting from the rooftop. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the signs that will follow that will shake the world. I believe we have time. I believe we have time. I believe that God is saying, make sure you're right with God. Tell everybody you can. Get them to church. Get them saved. Lead them to the Lord. Get in a life group. I believe someday life groups are going to someday be the church. They are in China. But I believe we might have some time. Has God... is. Is God finished with America? No. The question is, is America finished with God? But let's take that. Is God finished with you?
no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, is God finished with you? No. The question is, are you finished with God? And my prayers is your answer is no. He, every time I look at this, I go, he's still got a remnant. He's still reaching down. He's still saving as many as he can. If you're here today or you're watching, he wants to touch you. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Are you right with God? Have you given your life to Jesus? If you have, are you still serving him? Are you living for him? Is he the king of your life? If not, give your life, rededicate your life to the Lord. Because that's what this is all about. It's a wake-up call because he loves us so much. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here and you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to make sure my life is right with God today. Slip your hand up all over the building and, and hold it there the whole time, please. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. I see that hand, I see that hand, that hand. I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, I see that hand, God bless you. I see, I see, I see. Anybody else wave at me? I see that hand. I don't see it, but they're pointing up there. That hand, God bless you. Give these people a great big clap offering, would you please? We're going to pray. And those of you watching by stream, I hope you raised your hand. And whether I can see it or not doesn't matter, but God sees that hand. But can I tell you something? Don't just serve God. Can I tell you what I think is going to happen? I think things are going to normal, become normal again. I think things are going to, and a lot of people are going to go, oh, it's the same. And right now, like right now, our television program is exploding. I'm, the response we're getting is exploding. Daystar told me the same, Marcus told me, everybody, because people are going, oh my, you know, what, what if none of you are here? Financial planner, what if none of you are here? You know, and we did have to write down, if I'm not here, Tiz is not here, the kids aren't here, the grandkids aren't here, who do we leave our wealth to? And we figured we'll leave it to Scott because he'll be here. <laughs> I, was, I always say John, but John's not here. Can I tell you who we did say? We're leaving it to Israel for the 144,000. Because we'll all be gone, right? We don't need, you know, there'll be an empty building. But here's the reality is, you remember when 9-11 hit? Man, I mean, the next few Sundays, the churches were packed out. Oh my God, the end is near. We don't serve God because the building's on fire. We've served God because if the building ever does come on fire, he's there to lead us and guide us and teach us. I believe things are going to become normal for a while. We can get through the election. It'll, ma- it'll be amazing how we get through the election. All of a sudden, there'll be a cure and things will become n- normal. I'm, uh, my, my prayers, I'm, I'm always the glasses half full. And then a lot of people go, oh, it's just the same. And they become lukewarm again. Don't serve God because it's dangerous out there. Serve God because he's God. Because he's almighty God. And I know I'm going a long time, but guys, this something's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. We find out about lion, incurable cancer. We find out about tis, incurable cancer. And I'm not saying this that you know we're so, but that wasn't the time. You know, it's it, that wasn't the time to learn to believe God. You know, it's like somebody's breaking into your house and you go, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay, now let's fight. You better have some muscles when the guy's breaking in. Seriously, that's what serving God is. You're growing in the Lord. You're you're maturing in the Lord. Don't, if this thing passes, don't go, oh, well, okay, back to normal. Let's stay on fire. Because someday he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. And he's just saying, wake up. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. 
We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I vow, Lord, you died for me. Starting today, I will live for you. I receive your love, your mercy, your joy, divine protection, divine blessing in every area. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap.